0: Hello, welcome to another episode of Social Media Manager Confidential, and I just want to say that if you keep coming back every single week to listen in on the new episodes, have left any reviews, or have DM'd me on Instagram about the podcast, I appreciate you so much, and it always makes my day, so thank you. Now, today I wanted to tell you that I got to talk to Joseph, and Joseph has a lot of great insights on influencer marketing as a creator but also like as a social media manager and kind of how to have that conversation with your clients who want to do influencer marketing but like don't fully understand what it is and how much goes into it so like he goes into so much detail on that and then we also kind of talk about the realities of marketing and like the narrative and the tone of voice and like gaslighting that happens and it gets really really juicy so i am very excited for you to give this a listen and if you're not familiar joseph is a social media and content marketing expert he spent his career building brands helping businesses grow and telling stories that resonate with audiences after years of working in sales marketing and business across europe and EMEA in the beauty and the fashion industry for global brands like Lancer, Sephora, and LVMH Group. He decided to combine his experience in corporate with his passion for storytelling and communication. In 2020, he founded Rubali Digital, where he brings his expertise in digital marketing and brand building strategy to help business owners and service providers transform their businesses into strong digital brands. So, cannot wait for you to hear what he says. Let's get into it. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Joseph and I am so excited because we were just chatting about some really juicy things that I think you're going to love listening to. Uh, So hi, Joseph. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me.
0: I'm good. I'm excited because I know this is going to get like really, really good. So let's just start with the basics first. What is your current business setup like?
1: Sure. So I am the founder of Rebelli Digital, which is a creative marketing agency. We do everything from branding. So we take your idea, in your concept into reality within 10 weeks, and then we do coaching where you can work with me directly. And ultimately, we also do social media management for service-based business and product-based business. So there are different services that we do. And I started back in 2018, after many years of corporate, where I was working in London for big beauty brands, I was sales coordinator, and then I worked my way up into marketing from social media executive to social media manager to influence the marketing manager. And then I changed brand and I worked for an American company and I was the brand manager and I was responsible for different markets. I worked for the UK market, the Middle Eastern market, the German market, the Italian market. And then in 2018, they moved me to Dubai temporarily. And I wanted to go back to the UK, which is where I was living at the time. And they didn't have a job for me. So I left and I decided to start consulting. And I was predominantly focusing on beauty brands because I was capitalizing on what I knew. And then slowly but surely, I pivoted into different industries. So I did service-based business and I started to do finance, and then I started to do real estate, and then I started to do dental and dental marketing, dermatologists, medicine, so now as a business, which I founded in 2020 during COVID, I scaled to an agency, and I started to offer different services. I focus predominantly on service-based business. We do have some e-commerce as well, but it's predominantly service-based.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I mean, I like working with service-based. I feel like it's more personal. So it makes it a little more fun, I think. It's interesting
1: because you have to sort of decide when you when you start what you want to focus. And everybody tells you, oh, you need to pick a niche. You need to pick this. And I agree if you know exactly what you want to focus on. Problem is, a lot of people don't know what they're good at until they try. I didn't know I was good at doing content for finance until I do it. And, right. you know, I worked with this brand in 2018 in London. It was a very new bank and it was all online and it was a new concept. And the founder was this very visionary millennial, which was fantastic. And we created a campaign, which was amazing because it was really about how to not spend money for millennials rather than how to spend them and it really educated educate the audience on how to, you know, understand mortgages and stuff like that. And it was really interesting. And I learned a lot because I was at the time where I had some financial challenges due to my previous relationship. I was left into trouble because of my ex-partner that did, you know, he was not a very nice person. So I ended up working three jobs at the time. I was working nine to five in my normal job and I was working as a, a restaurant host for a little bit. And then I was also working in a store. And I didn't have much money. So money management was a big thing. And the reason why when I started consulting, I wanted to actually approach finances is because I learned a lot at the time on my own. And I managed to clear my debt without credit card, without overdraft or anything like that. I just worked really hard and paid everything off. So I was like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So I always say, if you are interested in a specific industry, but you don't have experience, but it probably try to follow the thread of curiosity rather than the thread of passion because curiosity will always be triggered by something new, which might open up a new opportunity for you. Passion sometimes, first of all, is not always profitable. And secondly, it's really, it's a very, very old narrative. Follow your passion, find your passion. What does that mean? Like passion changes with your age, with your knowledge, with your experience, with what you know and what you don't know sometimes.
0: I fully agree, and I'm in the same same train of thought as you is like you can't pick your niche unless you know what you like and like also know that it's profitable because there are niches out there that are like really fun, but they're not really profitable, you know, like you gotta experience it and figure it out along the way before you really, really can narrow down what it is you want to do. You can pick industries
1: and you know you can say, okay, great, I'm gonna focus in fashion. I'm going to focus in beauty like I did at the beginning. I really capitalized on what i know known because I worked for 10 years in the beauty industry and fashion. So one of my many jobs that I did in my early 20s was I was a stylist and I loved it. It was fantastic. I love fashion and it was really what allowed me to connect with my audience today because I understand emotions so much better. And a very funny side story was a conversation that I had with one of my followers well, a member of my community recently was, she was very worried about how to market their offer. And I said, well, it's very simple. How do you want people to feel when, you, when they buy from you? And I said, I'm going to bring you an example. When I was a stylist, my manager would say to me, oh, you need to sell this collection. Or you need to sell this collection. You need to do this. You need to push that. My first question was always to the woman that I was helping. It was always like, what kind of woman do you want to feel today when you come out of this store? How do you want to feel? And that was what we were working on. It was never the product and guaranteed you, she will always come out with a whole look because I was never focusing on selling a product per se. I was focusing on selling an experience and that's what made the difference.
0: I love that. I love that. And I think that's something that people often overlook is marketing is about like feelings and emotion Mm. and not so much about like logic or decisions. It's how are you making these people feel? Because that's how people make decisions.
1: Yeah. And something that I want to share that is really interesting is that when I do branding, one of the first things that I talked about with one of my clients recently was like, okay, so what is the strategy that we're going to use? What 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 tool are we going to use? How are we going to get the page to these sites? And I said, well, first of all, I would like to know how do you want to come across as a brand? And what colors are we going to use? And so why the colors are important? Because I said 90% of the conversation isn't verbal. And subconsciously, you will make decisions based on colors that you don't even know about it. And colors is one of the most underrated marketing tools there is out there. I'm going to bring you a simple example. One of my first ever client as a social media manager consulting was a restaurant in London, a very famous restaurant, a very posh restaurant. They had this wonderful tablecloth They were navy blue, very luxury, very expensive, very affluent as an area in London. They had this very beautiful restaurant, but there was a problem. They didn't have a very good average price transaction. When I went in, I went to the restaurant and I said, can I ask you a question? This restaurant was in Hebrew between a restaurant and a cafe. So I said, what is selling the most for you? Is it the cafe or is it the food? And they were like, oh, actually people stay for a coffee, but they don't really stay for lunch. They just get a little nibble and that's it. And I said, can we try something different? And she goes, well, should we try? I said, can we try to swap the tablecloth? And we're going to put white on one side and we're going to put blue on the other side. What happened was white was a very opening and welcoming color. And The average per transaction of those table went up just because we swapped the color. And the reason why is because blue is a color that makes you feel like you're already full. You need to eat more, which is why if you are a coffee shop and you want to sell more coffee, it's a great color to use. But that's just an example of how color is powerful. And that's my approach when it comes to marketing and communication. It's a bit different.
0: I love that. I love that. And that falls into like color theory and color psychology, right? Sure. Okay, Awesome. Oh, that's so cool. So we're going to switch gears just a teeny tiny bit. And I kind of want to talk about your experience with influencer marketing, like as a social media manager. If people are new and they don't know what that means, can you kind of explain what it is?
1: Sure. Influencer marketing is an avenue of marketing, which is the evolution of word of mouth, if you will. I try a product. I love it. I tell my friends about it they tell their friends about it. We create a network of people that are ambassadors for what you sell. Influencer marketing for businesses became huge in the last few years because you have the opportunity to advertise your product and service to a specific niche and a specific audience. You wouldn't be able to speak directly otherwise, which is why in terms of ROI, it is so much better than traditional advertising. Not all the time and not for everything, but usually for you know, product based businesses or for specific services, it works magic. Now the biggest misconception with influencer marketing is that someone will come to you, you will pay them for a post, and the product will sell. Marketing contributes sales, but it's not responsible for it. So I always like to explain that one of my role was I was an influencer marketing manager. So when I was working for this beauty brand in London, my job was to recruit land and negotiate brand deals for creators. So I learned a lot about this when I was working in corporate. And, you know, we were working with big creators that were over 500k subscribers on YouTube. And, you know, we would negotiate contracts for over $100,000, right? So very big creators. But what really I learned that was the way you are able to negotiate a partnership and it's never, ever down to follow us is always down to negotiation skills and to the way you are positioning the value that you're providing. What does that mean? So when I started my page in 2017, one of my first revenue streams was influence marketing. I started to negotiate very good deals with hotels because I was doing a lot of travel around Europe at the time. And what I was doing, I was negotiating a very good partnership. I would tell the story of the place We will do a partnership with it. And I was on 7,000 followers, which was very low for the time, right? Because we were talking a few years ago before stories. That was one of my first revenue stream. And the reason why I pivoted was because I wasn't able to sustain that type of content creation because I would have to travel all the time and it wasn't possible for me at the time, but also because it didn't feel very aligned with me completely. Travel is a passion and I was like, great. But how is that going to be sustainable in the future? Because I don't want to become a travel blogger and I don't want to broadcast my whole life because I do value my privacy. So I pivoted. But influencer marketing can be a huge, huge revenue stream for you. But it's never really the brand looking for you. It's kind of the opposite. People have this idea that they're going to go to their DMs and they're going to have the perfect... They're going to say, oh my goodness, they're going to work with me. Yes, they will probably offer you an affiliate Marketing opportunity, which isn't influencer marketing. They're very different things. And they might give you a gift, but that's not really a partnership that's going to sustain your business. That's just a nice collaboration. And it's not wrong, it's just different. So I think there is a very big difference between influencer marketing and affiliate marketing. Affiliate marketing, you get a commission out of a link that you get. Influencer marketing can have affiliate marketing as part of it, but usually you get paid for a campaign that you build with a brand and you're part of it. So you become the messenger between their consumer and their product.
0: Perfect. I love that explanation. I think it makes it very clear of what is what and who does what. Do you have any advice if there's a social media manager, they're working with a business that wants to do influencer marketing, but like they haven't done it before. Do you have like any tips for how they can help that?
1: I'm going to share a very easy framework for any social media manager who is starting out with influencer marketing. First of all, influencer marketing should be a different price point for your service. Just because you do social media management does not mean you do influencer marketing. Influencer marketing is time consuming. It requires quite a good recruitment skill because you need to be able to understand if the person is aligned with your brand and you also have to understand what type of collaboration can you do. The first thing when you're building an influencer marketing campaign is to integrate this campaign within your marketing plan. So influencer marketing isn't a content strategy and influencer marketing isn't a marketing strategy. It's an avenue of that and it's just one thing. It's like we decide where we're going to distribute our communication and how is it going to play out and this is one avenue. So influencer marketing starters, let's say someone... Let's give a little influencer marketing starter back. The first thing you want to do is to understand what budget are you working with. Based on that, the client will say to you, "Okay, great, we have this budget. How are we going to distribute it?" Then you want to divide your strategy with gifted collaboration, paid partnerships, and affiliate. A lot of people only want to do affiliate. That's not influencer marketing. That's affiliate marketing. So if you're doing a strategy where you have, I don't know, Let's say you have $70,000, you're a very small brand, you have seventeen thousand dollars to spend on your marketing that includes social media marketing and influencer marketing. So you want to divide your strategy and say, okay, we're going to work with 10 creators. We're going to divide them by sizes. The bigger one will be sponsorship, and we're going to have to decide what's their role. So are we getting this person to generate awareness? Are we getting this person to increase the leads or are we getting this person to increase the engagement and the consideration of the product? Very different business goals, very different outcome, and also a very different way to read the metrics when the result comes in. Because if I have an influencer that I hire predominantly for awareness, whether she has signups in my webpage or not, or whether they have a specific amount of traffic that comes, that's great. You need to look at the amount of traffic that this person brings to the page. Whether the people sign up or not, that's not her role. So usually, from my experience, we will use bigger influencers for awareness and we will use smaller influencers for consideration and engagement. Usually, smaller influencers convert better. Bigger influencers expand the reach of the product and the awareness of the product. And micro-influencer usually are the one that convert. Now, the way you go to the next stage with that, it's you want to build a campaign around that influencer marketing. So influencers become the messenger of the product. How are they going to deliver this message? You need to give a theme. For example, I did an influencer marketing campaign in 2021, and the whole campaign was about confidence. And it was with a dentist in Turkey. I worked with them as their social media manager for a while. And then we created this influence marketing campaign, which they want me to be part of it as well, which wasn't the plan. But, you know, we decided (laughs) to, to include my page too. And what we created was how does your smile affect your confidence? That was the theme. And the way this was distributed and the way this was communicated was up to the creator. Because you always have to think about the creator is the voice. You are the product. You can tell the creator what voice to have. You can give them some guidelines. But what I hate is when people give you a brief with what to say and how to say it. So at this point, you might as well just hire an ambassador and pay them for a campaign or for a contract. You know, for example, if I work with L'Oreal and I do a TV commercial, my job is to basically tell what the brands want me to tell. It's not, they don't come for me. I am just their face for it. It's a very different. So when you're working with influencer marketing, you want to divide your campaign in different business goals based on the people that you work with. You want to decide how many people you're working with. And sometimes influencer marketing has a very limited budget. I never advise to use influencer marketing as the only digital marketing you do. A lot of brands do that. They have no presence on social media whatsoever. They have no presence at all they think they hire a few influencers and it's going to make the magic. They're going to get the followers. They're going to get the clients. It doesn't work at all. You have to build your organic platform. And as a social media manager, you should never pitch influencer marketing as an option until the page has a significant presence, which means there is branding consistency, there is engagement, and there is, even though if it's small, there has to be some sort of community. We are talking even 500 followers work, you know? And it's really about taking that page to the next level. Influencer marketing, it's a great way to then link paid advertising with Facebook advertising and everything else because you create user generated content, which you can then use the influencer content for to use on the ads. So it's all an ecosystem. The keyword here is an ecosystem and it becomes very technical, right? So you have to know what you're doing. I wouldn't recommend to teach influencer marketing as a service unless you know how it works and if they ask you how to do it you need to make sure you have a clear idea of what they mean because sometimes what influencer marketing is versus what influencer marketing should be for the for the business is very different because people think the influencer marketing is one thing when in reality it's a different thing i had this brand i worked with in 2022 and it was a coffee brand from spain they wanted to work with influencers I went there and I said, great, what's the budget? And how many influencers are you guys thinking? Or are you open to get my suggestion? They were like, oh, we have no budget. It's a, give the collaboration and we give them a promotion code and then they get a commission out of it. So I was like, that's affiliate marketing. That's a different thing. It's not wrong, it's just different. So a lot of people don't know the difference. And the problem is that a lot of influencers don't know the difference. So when you are a social media manager, you need to be able to understand how to plan out this strategy before you even talk to the influencers. And how you talk to them is very essential because you are the person that is responsible for the identity of the brand and they are responsible for the placement they send to you. So it's really about approving them the right way. I have a partnership that I have at the moment in my page and I'm working with the team of this scheduling tool. They are fantastic. And they are one of the best team I have, I have ever worked with when it comes to influencer marketing because they know exactly what they're doing. Most of the time, I have to come in as a consultant. People contact me for a collaboration on social media. It happens every week. And I contact them and I'm like, I like your, I like your product. I want to support you. Then we go on a call and I become the consultant. I don't become the influencers anymore because it's just like, (laughs) they sort of like, oh, well, we didn't really think about it like that. And so the outcome are usually two. They are very excited and they want to hire you or they ghost you. So it's one of the two.
0: Got it. Oh my gosh. That was really insightful. That's a lot of knowledge. And I think people are really going to appreciate all of that that you dropped. Want to dive even deeper into these topics and more like it? I'm talking finding high paying clients, creating packages that sell, advanced marketing strategies, content creation, metrics and insights, portfolios, launching your business, and even how to become a social media manager. I have a full program suite of eight self study courses for you so that you can build and grow a profitable social media management business, have consistent income, work with dream clients, and scale without getting hit with burnout. Plus I've done a lot of the hard work for you. You'll get templates, scripts, and so much more. Learn more about the social media manager incubator program suite by visiting my website. Details and links are in the show notes for you. So I want to switch gears again a little bit. And you mentioned that you want to talk about the narrative or like the tone of voice of brands online and like how they show up Versus the reality of it. Mm. So let's hear your thoughts on that.
1: Right. So there has been a big shift of narrative in the last year and a half, I believe, on social media. I feel like people became very, very sensitive to smoky mirrors and BS, of my French. But it's really, you know, there are certain advice that people give that I really strongly get itchy about and I came to the point where I can't really shut up about it and I need to kind of share my opinion. So I feel like there are three words that are overused. Number one is authenticity. I shared something recently on my social media and I said on my channels, I'm never gonna use the word authenticity related to content and related to marketing. I'm gonna stop using it because I feel like the association that social media gave to this word and the ways to see it is to me like it's sort of like a replacement of when you don't know what to say. It became white noise, right? So I said, why don't we replace authenticity with realism? Because people are really looking for you to be realistic about things. Because authentic is something you cannot teach. Right. I don't come here and say, oh, by the way, this is the three ways for you to be authentic. Let me show you. People will be like, what? What are you talking about? Like, who are you? You don't know me. And secondly, the second word that I believe is overused is the word value. Value, if I can get a dollar every time I hear the word value in a day, and I also do community management for my client, the word value is just overused. And what it really means is that value shouldn't be you giving stuff away for free. That's a big misconception. I often see people talking about value, but what they really mean, it's free resources. Do I believe in free resources? Absolutely. Do I believe you should distribute them in a very smart way? Yes, because your time is very valuable and that's, I'm using purposely the word valuable and your time is money when you're a business owner. So you want to make sure that the time that you're investing or in doing what you're doing is giving you something in return, whether it is you know a connection, a lead or a sale. And nobody's going to tell you how to invest your time until you tell yourself. So I believe there is a very important message to make sure that you are using your time online purposefully. So I see a lot of social media managers posting the usual educational content, which is about, oh, 30 content ideas about this, 27 AI ideas. Oh, these are the tools that I use. Oh, by the way, this is a list of tools that I use, right? So my question is, what, is this content doing for your business? You think you are sharing value. What you really are sharing is commodity. People will find you very useful. They will consume your content and they will move on to the next free bit that they can find. And these are not active followers. These are people that are, they value your experience, but they're not willing to pay you. Yes. So what's really happened there is that you are creating content for the algorithm, which is fine if you're having one piece of content. But when I go to your grid and I see 27 pieces of content and then I message you and I say, how many clients are you working with? And people say, oh, you know, I'm waiting for them to find me. And I go, honey, you're going to wait for a while because it's just not going to happen. You need to have, you know, content that is moving the needle in your customer journey. And I talk a lot about this as well because as a social media manager, you need to make sure people understand the value of your service. And that comes down to the content that you share. If I'm giving you 30 content ideas per month, every month, and then I give you 27 AI tools that I use every time, where does your service become useful for your prospect? You're giving me everything for free. So what the shift is that I am your prospect, I thought great. I was thinking of hiring this person, but let me try this first because it's free. Everybody thinks this way. Mm-hmm. You know, when I used to work in the beauty industry, I had a very strict policy with the brand that I was working for. And there was I was a brand manager. So in the UK, I will say, very limited sample, no more than three. Everybody was upset with me. Oh, you don't know what you're doing. This is not a very smart decision. You're not building a relationship. I said, no, we are a very high-end luxury brand, Right. We are selling moisturizer for over $1,000. If I give you 10 samples, I'm devaluing the value of that product because I'm giving you so much stuff for free. I don't think you go to Hermes and ask for samples of the leather that they build the Birkin with, right? So it's, right. Really, it's really about understanding where you position. There's no wrong or right in here. It's really about positioning. So any social media manager listening, make sure that what you share is not really taking away a client for you or a prospect because... It's very important to understand how the content that you share is serving your business rather than serving Instagram or TikTok or wherever you hang out. If you're looking to work with a brand, you say you love a specific tool, try to build a partnership with them. I work with brands as well, as an influencer, if you will, as a content creator. But I, you know, it's sponsored content. I give my platform and I give my time for this platform to be seen because I know my community will find it very valuable and I share it as a tool, but I have something that comes for me as well because it's a a giving and receiving game, right? It's an exchange of value in that sense.
0: Yeah, brilliant. What about the third word?
1: The third word that I feel it's overused is the word relatable. Relatability, it's to me something that we should replace with approachable Mm. because relatability now there's a difference what relatability really means and what really people think it means so when it comes to being relatable people think they can go on instagram without oh you know sorry i'm wearing a tracksuit my hair is all messy i'm I'm so relatable no you just didn't do your hair and you just (laughs) didn't take a shower that's not relatable. There's just <laughs> rather questionable hygiene choices. So, you know, it's really, <laughs> so that's what people think relatability is. Oh, I'm going to show myself very messy. So people relate to that. Now, you want to make sure, first of all, you want to make sure that you position yourself in a specific way. The way you show up really does matter, you know, is not essential, but it does leave an impression to people. So for me, I always make sure you will never see me going on a instagram story just out of bed very sleepy unless it's a weekend or whatever and it's not because it's important to me, it's because would you go to the office in your flip-flops i don't think you would. you know it's like you need to think about when you show up on social media it's like going to an office right you show up it's like a networking event would you go to a networking event with your hair that you didn't dry no probably not or well, you probably can if it's a beauty event and they're going to give you a facial or something you know And it's really about understanding how you want to be perceived on the other side. And relatability really means that your communication style is relatable. You're sharing a part of your story that people can connect to, and that makes you approachable. So being approachable is the delivery that you use. Your tone of voice has to be approachable. And it's never like, I am here, I'm the best, and you are below me. No, I am here. I know this. You might know something else. Let's share this together. Let's learn together. That's more also something that people do a lot. They're so worried to come across as experts, they forget to be humans. And this is a very big statement, but it's true. When you talk to people and you say, How are you? They go like, i'm good, I'm very busy. Oh, you know, I'm thriving, making my business or like it happens to me on DMs. How are you today? How is your week going? Great, I signed up these clients and this, I'm very busy, you know, I'm trying to keep thriving, I'm trying to make it I just ask you, How are you? Like, <laughs> relax. I ask you how you, you know, it's like, but it's really funny because when I started video marketing, which was my niche that I decided to pick in 2020, my approach wasn't, I'm an expert on video. It was more like, guys, I'm learning video marketing and I'm taking video training. I did communication training before when I was working in corporate. So I was sharing some of that and I was sharing really sales training more than anything and then I said, it's a learning with me journey. So people were like, oh, Joseph learned this today and he's sharing it. Oh, I'm part of this. Yeah. I'm learning too. Like we're all learning together. And taking the learning approach rather than the expert approach, that's what makes you approachable. And if you want to use the word relatable, it makes you relatable. It's not really, I am the best and everybody else is rubbish. It's more like, you know, it's a different approach. And that's, I think it's more you getting to know who follows you rather than the opposite. Yeah,
0: I love that perspective. You mentioned something about like gaslighting and how that kind of plays into this. Can you, can you expand on that a little bit?
1: Yes, I believe there are some techniques in marketing that I feel are very, very misleading. I don't like when people promise a specific figure everybody can get because I believe you cannot promise any amount of money unless you give those money to the person yourself. Because, you know, you can't really promise revenue. You can't really promise profit. I feel like that's a very, very distasteful marketing technique. Also, that's one of the reasons why social media managers and coaches really struggle way too often to get perceived as professional. And it's because there is this very bad word of mouth, right? So a lot of people associate, oh, you know, what is this person doing? I don't really understand the value. And it's really unfortunate because it takes one person to do this for other people to suffer from it. So, and I find it very upsetting to the point that I would never call out someone by tagging them because I choose class over shame when it comes to these things. But I would mention the topic and be like, be aware of it. This happens. I did this a few weeks ago. I called out someone because I realized they were posting these Canva reviews that they did themselves. They were saying, you know, this person worked with me and they created the camera review. It was all fake. And,
0: oh, no. and it was
1: like, I went to this page and this person has over, I think over 200K followers or something like that. And this person is one of those people that I will call a red flag. It's more like when you get into her page, it's more like, look at me, I am manifesting this life. You know, it's like, I, this is my lifestyle. It's not really you buy my experience, you buy into the lifestyle. So, when I seen this, I was like, I messaged her and I said, Well, I said, thank you very much for your review. By the way, next time, make sure you remove the lines in Canva when it's a template. And she's like, What do you mean? And I was like, Well, I said, the review. I said, I said, It's quite interesting how your reviews are the same. I said, There's only many, many lives you can change. So I was like, You changed seven lives in the last week. What are you got? Like, I'm like, Well done. I mean, if that (laughs) happens, go off, sister. But like, (laughs) <laughs> Come down. And then she's like, Oh, are you implying that these are not real? I, said, I never use this word, but if you say it, probably they aren't. So I had a little bit of confrontation. And then I I never called her out, of course, in my public profile, because I again I don't, it's very distasteful. But the thing is, if I don't know this, people will pay. And then when I posted this, someone automatically messaged me and said, Are you talking about this person, aren't you? And I said, Yes. And I was like, Oh, you know, I paid three and a half grand for this course. And She didn't even bother to finish the template. It was lorem opsum on Canva. So she didn't even feel the copy. And I'm like, are you joking me? That's terrible. And that really makes me upset because you really capitalize it on people fear and people, you know, lack of resources and lack of accessibility. And you always need to understand the position where people are when it comes to when they find you. And, you know, it's great to be able to have people that can afford you and that's perfect. And that's, if you're using the right marketing, that's what you attract. But you might have a person that life life happens, right? I had a client that her husband passed away when we started working together. And I have a policy where after a specific time, you are not entitled for a, for a refund on my coaching program is it's about 30 days, but I thought it was, you know, she wasn't able to commit. So it was nice. I sent her an email. I said, I will send you partial refund because you were not able to commit. And I said that's something we don't usually do, but I think due to the circumstances, I think that that's just a nice thing to do. It's very important to understand, and you don't have to—you do, you don't have to become a charity case, right, in your business. But it's very important to understand people, and that's what makes you relatable. In quotes, <laughs> because you understand the position of people, and all people will always have something, so you have to filter it.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and I think there's a lot of things or like strategies, as they call them, that go around where it's. Persuasive, manipulative, unethical waste market. And while they might work, they prey on like a specific type of person. And it's really just taking advantage of them.
1: And that's where the whole industry gets a really bad reputation because it's just distasteful. And you feel like people are not being genuine. And it's also the same when people screenshot their bank accounts, you know, and it's like, really? I mean, Why? Like, what is the what's and then to me that's also very dangerous territory because when you position yourself only through the value of the money that you are making, people will expect the same, and you're never going to be able to deliver that. It might happen, but you can't guarantee that.
0: Right, exactly, and promising that is not ethical. That's not something you can control.
1: Exactly, I always say. If you're not experienced enough as a social media manager, I'm gonna share something that I did at the beginning. I was very scared with like the whole followers thing because my page was growing really fast and then I started consulting and you know I grew pages to over a million, right? And it happened because we had the right strategy and the right content. So when people come to me only asking me what is the amount of followers you can guarantee me, I would be lying, I deliver results, not miracles. So I can't, yes. I can't really, I said, you know, I said, I would be very aware to anybody that tells you that they can guarantee you a certain amount of followers because what they're going to do, they're going to go into, into any bot and they're going to buy it for you. And unfortunately, a lot of social media managers that are very unethical do that. And that's something you have to sort out when you are a good one and you have to fix it. Yes. <laughs> but also there is another point that I would like to suggest for anyone that goes on a discovery call to really understand that works for me. Hopefully it can work for you too if you're listening, ask your client or your prospect, if you, as a social media manager, uh, is the service that they're looking to buy, it's an investment or a cost? Mm -hmm. Because if you're a cost, 85% of the time, they will always question the value of what you're doing. If you're an investment, they will look at the bigger picture and that will allow you to understand how long the partnership should be and how long you want it to be. And that's something I learned. I asked this question in the past, and it made a huge difference to understand from my side if I wanted to work with them or not. And sometimes, if you're at the beginning, you might need to work with them because you need a cash flow injection. But the time and how long you look into work with them for, it's up to you. That's why you run your own business. That's why you are an entrepreneur. You have the decision making point. So I always say if you're someone that is making you eek a little bit, you're not sure, you can see a result in the page within six months, maybe due to a relationship. Challenges make it to three to begin with, and then you can renew it. And that allows you three months of revenue, but then you have the choice to see if you can still work with that person or not. That's something, it doesn't have to be a rule, but that's something to help me. And I hope you can help someone out there.
0: I love that. Yes, definitely. Uh, Oh my gosh. Okay. There were so many good things in here. So if people want to connect with you, find you online, where should they go?
1: I am Joseph Rubelli on Instagram, LinkedIn. Threads, and YouTube. And also I am the host of the Digital Bosses podcast with my business partner, Claire. So you can listen to our pod there. And if you want to work with me, you can message me on Instagram, say that you're coming from this pod and we can talk and discuss how we can support you.
0: Ah, love that. I will link everything in the show notes. So it's just super easy for you to to connect with Joseph. Thank you so much for coming on here. I cannot wait to share this episode with everyone. They're going to really love it.
1: Thank you. It was a pleasure. I love your show. And I was very excited this morning because I just love what you do. I think you have done a remarkable job, especially in the last year. I've seen a huge shift in your account and it's amazing. It's so nice to see when people do well. It's really good.
0: Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, we'll chat again soon. Have a great day. Bye. Ugh, what a great conversation. Definitely full of amazing advice. So much knowledge. Definitely go check him out. Follow him on Instagram. If you have any friends who are social media managers and work in social media marketing, share the link to this episode with them and help them out. And if you're not already following this podcast, make sure you hit the follow button or the plus button in Apple Podcasts. You can get brand new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every Friday. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode.